Hey, welcome to Younger and Older with Jason and Dave, and this is the show where we hang out and talk about just stuff from a younger perspective and older perspective, and we try to keep it exciting, fun, and yet practical at the same time. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Sometimes it's more serious than other times. Sometimes I can make fun of Dave a little bit more than usual. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the joy of having an old fart on the show. Yeah. With me. Yeah. I See, I wouldn't a- even use that language. So <laughs> he- here's, here's. Either would I, because you're really not that old. Yeah. I, I was just poking here's the bear. What, here's what should be done, though. I mean, people should be having conversations with people in another generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not because the other generation is right. So I'm not saying that I'm right or. Jason's right. Even though you do that most of the time. Well, I'm no, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, <only> joking. <laughs> there could be reasons for that. <laughs> if it's an experienced thing, there could be reasons for it. Touche. And that's, Touché. That's, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people my age can get stuck in a rut. Yeah. And people that are younger haven't developed a rut. Well, we can get stuck in a rut sometimes. You, you can, too. but some of the ruts that we've got, you know, we've gotten out of already. Right. We can show you, you know, that's a rut. We can get out of that. That's right. So you're really just trying to tap into experience. Yeah. Here's the goal, I think, that makes it work. If you actually care about the other person and you want what's best for them, and you're not trying to prove a point. Right. I think, okay, that's good. Right. Which, so, which is really a conversation. It is. Because it's hard to have a conversation with somebody who thinks that they're right and is wanting you to understand the fact that they're right rather than having a conversation to try to bring understanding to the right. situation. Yeah, whenever you get somebody that just goes quiet on you and leaves, you think, yo, I guess I told them. You actually got shut out. They were humming a song while you were talking. They were waiting for you to be quiet, and they left. What song do you hum when you leave? Uh, um, Yankee Doodle Dandy? No, I, I don't know. I, some some song that from Tiny Tim years Tiny ago Tim. or something. Yeah. There you go. Tips well, to the tulips. Well, Dave, I was at a, uh, a youth conference re- recently. Um, there was a bunch of students there, and there was a Q&A thing. Now, I wasn't part of the Q&A, but another friend of mine led it. And I'm always curious just to see what young people – are are asking you know i think it's good to ask questions you know that way bring just brings about understanding you right because i think there's you know there's a natural inclination to want to you know understand things especially when it comes to god and so i asked him i'm like you know obviously i mean there was four different seminars that he did this and usually there's it might not be the same questions that are asked but there's general themes that are common right and so I was curious, you know, I was like, what's, what's the, the theme for this year that you've noticed? And it was interesting because a lot of the young people were asking questions about the Bible and in, more specifically, um, the, the presumption that they had that the Bible contradicts itself, which I thought was, was interesting. And so I wanted to bring that up on the show today and maybe we could just talk about that because, you know, we've talked about getting to know God on the show and we talked about reading the Bible and, and really in order to get to know God, you have to read the Bible. But if you have a presupposition, in other words, if you have a, a an opinion that the Bible, before you even read it, contradicts itself, that, that's an issue. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, talk about that um, with you and kind of get your thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? It, it always, it, what people have to do if they're um, trying to get their own ways, they have to diminish the authority. Yeah. Regardless of who it is. So if you don't like what the president of the United States does, you you, you know you call him a meathead or something, right. or, and you say whatever, yeah. and and you basically don't listen to him. Right. So it's really hard to do that about God. So you have to look for a way in your subconscious to dismiss his authority. Right. And and when you start talking about contradictions in the Bible, you've looked for a way to dismiss his authority. You're trying to say there is no authority other than me, my friends, how we think, and how we feel. 
Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that? Pre, you know, supposition? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a dangerous one. Right. Because now you can believe whatever you want, and that's how culturized and that kind of thing. Because somebody is always more persuasive than somebody else. Right. And they know what buttons to push, and they push them, and. Before you know it, you're believing stuff, and you think, oh, I'm right because I believe it, and all these people around me believe it. Yeah, that's pretty dangerous. Right, and and therefore the shift back to subjective truth. Absolutely. Rather yeah. than the fact that there is absolute truth. Yep. You know? So, I mean, that's one thing is I think, first of all, people have to see I'm human. I tend to want to diminish authority in my yeah. life. You can do that, I guess, but really you should practice submitting to authority. You should have ways to do that. Right, absolutely. And, and if you're not doing it, I suggest you do it. Right. Um, I, I'm part of a local church, and in the local church I'm a part of, I am not on the elder board. I am not in, I, you know, what I am is I serve there, and I serve there running a youth club. You know, I can be frustrated or not frustrated. That's neither here nor there. The point is I'm in a place where I can just submit to somebody into a group and say, here's what I'm doing. Right. And do it faithfully. And you should always place yourself somewhere where you're doing that, where you're, where you're being under authority. But secondly, I think, People who say the Bible contradicts itself don't know the Bible. And I would agree with that, Dave, you know, because even as, as some of these young people kind of shared examples, it's almost as if they were examples that were spoon-fed to them. Right. As opposed to them actually reading and trying to understand the Bible. You know, and I understand, you know, I, I talked about the Bible and, you know, I taught a seminar at this youth conference as well. And one of the things I asked is, what what is it that keeps us from reading the Bible? You know, I kind of, it was an open-ended question, you know, and I got different things like, you know, it's it's a long book, it's got small words, uh, I just don't have the time. You know, but then the more interesting ones were, you know, I, I don't want to face the truth, you know, so it's like they don't want to have that guilty conscience. But then other things is, you know, I don't understand it or there's big words, you know, and, you know, and so you get more into that. And it's like, all right, let's, let's hone in on that. You know, so if you don't understand something, do you just give up on something or do you, what do you do? Yeah. You know, and I think that leads part of into the, more the justification of, you know, well, let me come up with an excuse where I could just write the Bible off. Right. That way I don't have to deal with some of these issues that are kind of poking my heart, getting me to, to, to do this, you yeah. know? And so I thought that was an interesting observation you know, but as we dive into the Bible, Dave, I think it's very important to understand that, you know, you got to read it as a whole. You know, I mean, if you were to take, you know, just one book out of the Bible and, and, and just treat it separate from the rest of the themes of the Bible, you know, yes, there would be a lot of truth, but you need to understand the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, or even understand how the book is written. Yep. You know, and that's the first thing that, you know, even as... You know, before I even went to Bible school, when I was in high, junior high and high school, as, as my youth pastor talked about reading the Bible, that's the first thing he tried to teach us was in order to understand the Bible, you, there was a key word, authorial intent, which is, you know, these are letters written oftentimes or written by a person. It's like, who are they writing to? In order right. to understand who they're writing to, you need to understand the relationship that's there so then, then you can understand the truth. Yep. Um, well, but I like, think that let, yeah. let's dive into a little bit more. Well, Dave, it's like it's like our relationship. I mean, you can look at somebody who's older, right, and say, "Oh, that person's older; they can't relate to me." What right. you have forgotten is they have a history. Oh, absolutely, the history know, or different vocabulary, and they have a history. I mean, you know, uh, for example, you are married; you have young children. Right. I was married, am married, and had young children. Right. You may look at me now and say, "You don't understand. You you're married, but you don't have young children." It's like. Well, what happened to my history? Right, absolutely. We just dismissed all of that history. Right. Because I'm where I'm at today. And I could look at you and say, I don't need to listen to you. You're not older, and you, you have children at home. I don't. I'm an empty nester. You're not. Mm -hmm. So you have nothing valid to say. 
No. Right. You, you do. See, I'm dismissing all of the history and all of the context of life. Right. Now, you can't do that with an individual. If mm -hmm. you do that with an individual, you will be extremely narrow in your focus and really listen to nobody but you because you're the only one you understand. Right. Or you just surround yourself with people that think exactly like you. And that's really ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I would suggest, first of all, you, you solve the problem of context both in life and in the Bible. There's yeah. a context for these things. For example, I speak a lot, and a lot of times I might say this, uh, God is not good. Now, that gets people's attention. Right. And, and immediately, if I just go on to something else, they come later and say, you said God wasn't good. I mm -hmm. said, yeah, what else did I say? Right. Why? Because I'm going to put it in context for you. When Jesus was asked if he was good, he said, nobody's good, except for the Father. He said, see, he said, God is good. I know, but why did he say it that way? Mm -hmm. Because good needs a comparison, and you can't compare anyone to God or anything to God. He's that beyond everything. Mm-hmm. And since there's no comparison and good demands one, it's really not a word to use to describe God because you're comparing him to who? Mother Teresa, Michael Jordan, Bill Clinton. I mean, who are you comparing him to? Right, right. He's going to win on all the comparisons. What you need to do is change your thought process and say God is right. Right. Which makes him good. Mm -hmm. Now, did you hear me say he was good? But mm -hmm. he's good because he's right. right. What I did is I corrected a context. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise what happens is people look at life. Uh, there's a tornado that comes and it you know, wipes out a house and how is God good? Right. What are you saying? Or people that are sick and they, they, they ask God to help them get healed and they get healed. They go, God is good. He healed me. So is he good for those who didn't get healed? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, so what is the definition of good then? Right, so right. Th that's what you have to deal with a little bit. It, you have to put things into context, mm -hmm. not just take them at a shallow value. Because if you were daydreaming and I said God isn't good and you went into a daydream saying, oh, that's a terrible statement, and you didn't hear the rest of my statement, mm -hmm. you will leave saying he's a heretic, he says God is bad. Right. I mean, you might even say that. Right, and that's actually happened in our social media culture where you have, you know, these sound snippets. Yep. And so you have these sermons and then all of a sudden somebody takes like a one minute phrase that they said and throws it on the internet and people go out crazy because they hear kind of what you were just describing, Dave, yep. where they, they only hear a snippet, which if you were just to listen to that snippet, it sounds totally wrong. Mm -hmm. But then in the greater context of what the person is talking about, it's, oh, okay, that's, that's the thought process that they have. And yet that's often what we do with the Bible. We look at a verse and say, oh, that verse, and then we you know, start sharing this verse rather than looking at the rest of the chapter yeah. or the rest of the book in order to understand what is being taught. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where we then see some of the contradictions. And some of it's a, a, a liturgical or a legal society we live in. Have you ever been sued? No. Okay, I've been in a court where they've been trying to sue us and camp and myself, and what's interesting is how the lawyers work. Mm -hmm. They try and get you to say something, and then they don't let you put it in context. Right. They're trying to prove a point, and so they don't want context. Right. They want the point. Right. And it really is frustrating to anyone that's got half a brain cell. I mean, mm -hmm. it really is frustrating. Yeah. It's a game that the lawyers play because, uh, you know, they'll say, just answer the question. I can't answer it. I need to give you context. Right. Just answer the question. I can answer that question, but with no context, it's going to sound like I you know, hurt this guy. 
Right. Just answer the question. Like for me, it was a case where if somebody fell off a horse and did he fall off a horse? Yes, he did. Then he went on to another question. Right. Did, was, was there a faulty piece of equipment? Yes, there was. And, and now he wanted me to not go in and explain how all of it happened. Right. And when you heard an, ex, an explanation of how everything happened, it, it made some sense as a normal accident. Right. Rather right. than, it, by the end, I was a malicious person who was trying to kill kids. <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you look at that and you go, wait a minute. What happened here? How did this get to that point? Right. Well, he wouldn't let me give any context. Right. Which is actually sometimes what we want to do with the Bible. We want to try to have it say what we want it to have it say. Yep. You know, and I think we do that sometimes, But the too. defense lawyer's job is right. to get the context. Right, absolutely. I mean, so what happens is the prosecuting attorney always goes first. Right. At least, I, you know, I haven't, I'm not an expert, but when I was there, the prosecuting attorney always went first. Right. And then the defense came afterwards to be able to answer all of those. Right, to be able to fill in and the background. And all the defense attorney did was put it in context. Right. That's, that's, that was like his entire job. I need to, okay, so Dave, how do people come to camp and what? So he would ask me questions that would allow me to talk about the context of how it happened. Right. So a good defense lawyer always fills in the other side of the story. Right. Now, he's trying to defend me, not by lying. And, and when I talked to the lawyer ahead of time, I said, no lies are necessary. I know the story. Right. You know, there, there was nothing done here. Right. So anyway, we can continue to talk about that. Absolutely. And I think this is just hitting the tip of the iceberg. And I think it's something that we all face, you know, because like I said, we all have some point, you know, especially as we talk to you listening on the radio, at some point we sit down, we we try to read the Bible and, and, you know, whether it's, we find it difficult, hard to understand, how do we read it? You know, so I think this is a very relevant topic that I think we need to dive in a little bit more. And so we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back as we dive into the Bible and how to read it and are there contradictions. So we'll be right back here on Younger and Older. Hey, welcome back to Younger and Older, and we are having a great discussion about the Bible um, and just how to how to approach it so that it can be understandable and realize that there are some maybe misnomers out there that it's contradiction, contradictory or untrue or different things like that. Misnomer is a big word. Misnomers, you know. So did I say that? Is that is that a single lady named Nomer? Miss Misnomer. So. Is there a misnomer it, out there? There could be. There very well could be. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Maybe they're listening to the show. If you there's know, a misnomer listening to the show. Sometimes my brain just goes in the wrong direction. That's okay. That's okay. And misnomer, pay attention. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know where I was going with my sentence now. No, you're talking about misnomer and, <laughs> and how she thinks about the Bible. Yes. Did I say misnomer or misunderstanding? <laughs> no, you said misnomer. Oh, okay. And and I want to know who misnomer is. Well, who's misunderstanding? Uh, <laughs> Boy, I can play that game. Look too. at this! Look at this class we've got. We got misnomer in it, and we've got misunderstanding in it. Oh, wow! Man. Mississippi should be there too. <laughs> Mississippi. Yes. No oh, man, I think you're missing the no, point. W- what are we talking about? Uh, we we are talking about the Bible, um, and one of the things is is trying to understand it because I think as we get to go know God, I think the most important thing that we need to do is spend time with Him, and you do that through, you know, the Bible, which He's he, He's left for us to kind of learn about who He is, and we need to learn how to how to approach it because if we were to just sit down and read it, you know, even as I talk to a group of of young people at a, at a conference, you know, sometimes it's it's daunting, it's hard to read, it, all this and the other. And if we don't necessarily understand it or if we just read a verse and take it out of context without understanding the rest of this, you know. Why paragraph. do kids think that? I'm a teacher. I want to know why they think the Bible's hard to read and understand. 
Well, the reasons that they said were... Because misnomer is there? Because there's there's a misnomer. <laughs> there's maybe a, you know... A misunderstanding and all that stuff. A propitiation oh, in yeah. there every now and then, you know, and, and so... There's ways around it. I think part of it is, is, and you know, I might get some flack for this. Part of it is, is maybe laziness. A lot of it is. You know, because I think if they truly want to understand it, there, there's so many resources nowadays that can help you understand it. And that's kind of what I, I told them. I'm like, you know, all these reasons, I understand are reasons, you know, but there's an underlying reason that I think trumps it all. And I, I asked them, the, the, you know, the next question. I'm like, I'm like, who's the one that at most doesn't want us to get in this book? Right. You know, and it, it became obvious for them. And, and I think Satan does whatever he can in our brains to try to get us to discredit or to dismiss the Bible, whether it's contradictions, whether it's, you know, not understanding or this, I don't have time, you yeah. know, this, that or the other. And so that, that's why I think it's important for us, because the one the one reason that I thought it was interesting and it came up in each of the times I asked it, you know, a student would always say, well, sometimes I don't want to necessarily hear what it has to say yeah, because they know that it'll poke them, you know, and that it would, yeah. it would cause them to have to make a decision, you know, and I think that's, that's like uh, not wanting to talk to dad or mom because you know what they're going to say. Right. Right. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? Right. I don't need to talk about this. Why don't you need to talk about it? Because I know exactly what you're going to say. I know, yeah. I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. So save me the time. You know, as a teacher though, uh, Jason, all my life, I taught fifth grade and, and then I've taught all my life the Bible. One of the things that you realize is that the Bible has been translated into English and there are so many versions out there. There are easy to read versions for everybody. Right. Oh, absolutely. So you can go get a Bible and, and whenever a young person asks me, what's the best version of the Bible to read? I usually say whatever one you will read. Right. And that's what I said. Grab it and read it and, and get a version that makes sense to you. Right. And sit with somebody older that can help simplify, not complicate it. Right. You know, there's very simple things. Let, let me give you an example. There is a God. You're not him. Right. That's pretty simple. T- stop me when I get complicated here. Okay. You know, uh, you have sinned and so you're separated from God. But he still loves you. Yeah. To stop the separation, he has sent his son Jesus to die in your place so that you could be in his family. Mm-hmm. Tell me when I get too complicated here. I'm, I'm still See, th- these are the right. basics. You've yeah, got to go through. Simple, now, right. now, put it in context as you read the rest of the Bible. Right. And I've said often, one of the most important things I do every year is read the Bible through. A lot of times I'll read the Bible through or listen to the Bible all the way through to, to make sure I get the context right of the whole Bible because it makes sense only in the context of the whole. Right. I'll give you an example. In the New Testament, some people say the Bible contradicts itself in a couple of places. Okay. Like, uh, it contradicts itself if you look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the Gospels. They tell us about the good news, Jesus. And basically, it says that the genealogies are different there, so the genealogies contradict. Well, I would just challenge you to go back and look at the genealogies. First of all, God used people to write his words for him. And, and whenever he uses people, he usually uses their personality. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a little different. Yeah, uh, Matthew was a government guy. He was a tax collector. Mm-hmm. He was tolerated by the Romans, hated by the Jews, and Jesus said, follow me. So when you read Matthew's stuff, you're going to get like government records in it and that kind of thing because that's what he did. Yeah, Mark, we don't know, and we've talked about this, was a, maybe a playwright. That's like a Greek tragedy. That's up for debate. Luke was a physician. That's why you read Christmas story in there. And John, he was just a lover. I mean, he just kept calling himself the guy that Jesus loved. You know what yeah. I mean? He was oh, amazed yeah. at that. But, but when you go into the genealogies, the reason some of them are different is because one, 
of them would, would follow the female line and one of them would follow the male line. Hence the difference. Hence the difference. They're going to have different names in it at that point. Right. So it's not a big deal. You Which just, if you were to read it at face value, you wouldn't understand that. No. You, you wouldn't would. see that, no. and you would think that, wait a second, this guy's saying totally different names that I don't see over here. Yeah, and and that's not our point for this program, but right. we could go into it. it no. But basically, Absolutely. there's a simple answer. Right. Or I heard uh, Steve Sanford, one of our uh, uh, professors at Nic- Nicolay Bible Institute speaking, and he was talking about uh, the blind man, Bartimaeus, and he became one who could see. Yeah. And there's some uh, people who use that story as a contradiction. They'll say, and, and some of the authors in the Bible have said, when he was coming out of Jericho, some say when he was going to Jericho. Well, how can you be coming out and going to? See, the Bible contradicts itself. Mm-hmm. The problem is, again, you put it in context, you go back in the Old Testament, and you realize that Jericho got destroyed, and it was never going to be rebuilt again. And it wasn't. It was several miles from the new Jericho that they were talking about. Right. So you have this old Jericho that everybody that grew up Jewish would call Jericho still. Mm-hmm. But it was destroyed. Then you have the new Jericho. Yeah. It would be very easy to be leaving the old Jericho and going to the new Jericho and to have somebody writing saying he was leaving Jericho and the other person saying he was arriving at Jericho. Right. Because of this, just, just the archaeology of it all is there. So, you know, I, I would be very careful if I were uh, going to accuse God of contradictions to make sure that I had the context first. Mm-hmm. Because this makes sense when you have the context. So if a young person comes to me and says something like, how can there be a God and there be pain in the world? Mm-hmm. Therefore, God doesn't exist. Right. And I, you know what? I, I'd have to tell them the God that you've made up doesn't exist. Right. Absolutely. Now, and they could look at me like, how dare you say that? No. Because you have a God that, think about how this doesn't work. Let's put it in context. And, mm-hmm. and we've done this so many times. But... You have a computer in front of you, right? I do. You can program that computer in several ways. Yes, if I were smart enough. Yes. So if you were smart enough, you could have that computer say, I love you, Jason. Yes, I could. It like applied. yours, because yours automatically no, says it, that. It did once. Dave, somebody, you're somebody, awesome. Somebody did Dave, program you're it. Great. Yes, somebody did that once. <laughs> and uh, just because of this illustration. But if, I, if we're sitting here and all of a sudden your computer says, Jason, I love you. And you would blush and, and say, I'm sorry, Dave, you know, my computer's so affectionate. <laughs> you know, I would look at you and think, Jason, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> you know, because here's what I know contextual. Right. Your computer doesn't have that choice. Your right. computer is a computer. Somebody had to say, do this. It has no will of its own. Right. So let me ask you in context, what good is a love and God is love, that has no will of its own right. for you or for me. If I didn't have a choice, if I was a robot and, and I could not decide whether I was going to follow God or not, what good is love mm-hmm. to somebody that has no choice? Right. It's no good. It's no good. So that's the context right there. So you can say, look, the fact that you can make choices and that your choices matter mm-hmm. show that God's love. Right. And now all of a sudden there's quietness in the room because they're thinking, well, yeah, but this person will die of this one day. How can a loving, everybody will die. Here's how a loving God handles it. Put it in context. We sinned, we deserve the death, and we will die. But those who are in God's family, the Bible tells us that we are never abandoned. Mm -hmm. And at our darkest moment, 
he comes and he makes it light. Now, those without God don't have that promise. Right. But those that do have that. So you look at it, you go, oh. But John 10, 28, 29, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. This is God saying, those who are in my family, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ and you've understood that he paid for your sins, you know, he's saying, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And it goes on to say, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Mm-hmm. Next verse says, my father, which is greater than all. Um, and I forget the rest of it, because there goes my brain. But it talks about uh, his father putting his hand over Jesus's hand and yeah. saying, and no man is able to get them out of my father's hand either. So you could picture yourself being put into God's hand mm-hmm. and Jesus closing the hand on you, saying, you're in. And no man can get you out. No man meaning mankind. So you're a mankind. You can't even get yourself out. Right. And then it says God puts his hand over that one. Well, man, if you're being protected by Jesus and by God, there's no way out. Right, absolutely. That's what you got to understand. That's the context. When God talks to us, basically he does out of love, which means you actually have choice. That's the context. And if you choose not to listen to him, you're going to experience pain. Mm-hmm. That's the context. Right. It isn't because God isn't love. It's because you didn't listen. Right. Let's get this right. Right. Now, that's why people, when they read the Bible, are saying there's contradictions. God said he loves. Right. But there's pain. <laughs> No right. contradiction as far as I'm concerned. Right. Now, I don't know how, if that makes sense, you know, Jason, but in, in our lives, it, that's what's going to happen. If you're in school today and, and you don't do your homework, you could say the teacher's mean. Right. Really? You didn't do your homework. Right. Or, yeah. or even if the teacher is just mean. You yeah. know, I mean, you look at the book of James and it talks about trials and tribulations. And so there are some things that might not be a direct correlation with your choices, you know, whether it be pain or something, you know, say somebody passes away and it had nothing to do with you and it brings pain. Absolutely. You know, the reason that that happens, you know, is that God allows it because at the end of the day, what? God wants us to be fully dependent on him. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. But the first and foremost, we need to love God. And yet oftentimes in situations, we try to rely on our own self-sufficiency, our own our own willpower to get through things rather than being dependent on God. And so the reason that God just doesn't swoop in and save the day, you know, in these situations is he wants us to understand that, yes, he is God and he has control over it, but he wants us to have our faith in him and to be dependent on him, Dave. And I think that's important too. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, we need to be, what we need to do is be concerned as God is with helping people become what they can become. Yeah. Not making them comfortable. Right. And what we keep telling God is we want you to make us comfortable, but not develop us into who we could be. Right. Because if he were to solve all of our problems, then he'd just be a sugar daddy in the sky, right. as you say it, you yep. know, and, and what would be the point of that? Right. You know, if any time a hardship came, we said, oh, you know, take this away. You know, he has the power to do that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Well, it's even like you, your, your father, would you let your, right. your oldest son, the other ones are young yet, but would you let him just lay on the couch and eat ice cream all the time? No. No. Well, if you loved him, you would. Right. Well, how, how would you respond to me Absolutely. if I said that? Well, not only that, even as a father, it's like, all right, if he makes a wrong choice, you know, do I not do anything about it and continue to make that wrong choice? It's no, I love him, therefore I have to discipline him. Absolutely. You know, and it's the same thing with us. And I think we lose sight of the fact that God is our father as well and that, you know, he created us in his image. He yep. knows us and he loves us. 
Absolutely. And so we can trust him. Mm-hmm. And that's the key thing. And that's that's one thing that as you read the Bible, the more you'll understand is that God loves you and he has a plan for you. Um, but if you don't read the Bible, then then you kind of just pick and choose and you create your own God. And that, that becomes very dangerous. And so if there's anything you get out of the show, dive into the Bible in whatever way you can. And if you don't understand it, look for help, whether it's resources or people that in your life, and you'll get to know God. And so thank you for joining us on this episode of Younger and Older with Jason and David. And we'll see you here next time.